spending time with her husband, friends, family, including her 12 grandchildren. In her spare time, she connects and celebrates with the women involved in motorsports, taking you behind the wall about their journey of life, racing, and how they juggle everything to make it all work. Welcome to Racing Girls Rock Podcast. Strap in, window nets up, the pedals are down, and when the green flag drops, we go. Good evening and welcome to Racing Girls Rock Podcast. I'm sponsored tonight by the International Women's Motorsports Association. We are a group that connects and celebrates women involved in motorsports all over the world. And we have met some of the most amazing people. You're going to meet another amazing woman tonight on our show. Her name is Andy Rawlings. Welcome, Andy, to the show. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to hear your race story. So before we start with that, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself, where you live, do you work a job, do you have a family, pets, that kind of thing, so our, re our listeners can get to know you better. Okay, well, my story started in Wyoming. That's where I grew up and went to college. Um, then, you know, later in life, you end up in Florida because you want to race full time. So now we're, we're in Central Florida. Um, we're very close to Orlando and Disney World. Um, I'm married and have, um, we have four kids. And still a family life going on too. I was racing. So we rebuild all of the phone lines. So I was able to schedule to talk to you during the day. And um, we'll be going out at midnight and making Disney World great again. Um, so that's what we do a lot. Uh, you know, racing, working. I think that's a story for a lot of people. Yes. Um, yes, it is. And we're excited. The so um, that's kind of a little bit of what we do. I mean, we're, we're on the go kind of people. Most racing people are on the go kind of people. They, they have to work a job or do whatever they have to do to support the racing and that's, that's pretty normal uh, with race families. They're all usually pretty busy. So do you have anything you could share with us, something that most people don't know about you that's not related to racing? You're frozen. Hmm. Are you there, Angie? I'm back. Are you there? Yes, I am. <laughs> okay. All right. Did you hear my question? I believe you asked if, if there was anything that people might not know about me. Right. Okay. Um, 
I don't know if if there's anything they don't know. Um, I'm an accountant by trade. I think that is something that a lot of people have um, not not known for um, for a while. It's kind of weird to go, you know, from an accounting office um, working as a banker and doing all that to um, racing, of course. Um, but I think it's very helpful. It's very helpful in everything we do in life, whether we're racing or working or, um, I don't know. Nothing too spectacular, I don't okay. think. So how do you create a balance in your life? You, you know, you work, you're a mom, you're an athlete, really. Race car drivers are athletes, I think. You have to be in pretty good shape to be a race car driver. So how do you balance all of that? Um, it's just a choice. Um, I think the adrenaline rush that we get when we race carries on at home. So we're motivated. Um, it's a lot of work and we want to do it. So, so you, you, you make it happen. You make it work no matter what. You don't give up. You don't give in. Um, sometimes you have to ask for help and, you know, have somebody show up and run your kids around for you or, right. you know, schedule, you know, dentist appointments and all that stuff around a race schedule. It's just what we do. We did it yesterday. Um, they wanted to schedule it during our last race of the year and we have a lot going on. And um, so I put it off till the week of Thanksgiving. That's, you know, some of what you do is just choices of making it work and um, having the kids and um, husband and everybody on board with that is a big part of it. Um, Cause we all have to sacrifice a little bit. We all, we all work 24 seven to make this happen. So, um, you know, the biggest thing that, that comes into play is um, understanding that we all have each other's back. So when I'm at home, um, I get up every day at five, um, make breakfast for my daughter. We get our day started early, but on the flip side, when we're racing, you know, I, I don't make meals. I, I either mm -hmm. pre pre make them and they're in the freezer. So we thaw them out or, um, you know, we, we do a little bit of planning there. But really, the kids are on their own, and it's usually making this. So I think that's the biggest thing. Okay, yeah. It's it's not easy, but like you said, if it's something that matters to you, you figure out how to make it work. And it sounds like you guys have done that. So why don't you tell us how you got started in racing? How old were you and where did you get your start in racing? So interestingly enough, Um, I never rode motorcycles when I was little. It actually came around and I started riding a street bomb and I loved it. I loved how light it was and how fast it was. And I would race the, the guys from one stoplight to the next, just driving through town and had a lot of fun. And one day I, um, you know, in, in the little town of Wyoming, passed a sheriff and the back roads going a little bit too fast. And I recognized that was my one, um, 
my one get out of jail free card without ever having to uh, deal with the consequences. So I figured I better do something with this. And lo and behold, at the time I was, um, I own an auto repair shop and we worked on a lot of fleets. One of the guys had stopped by after work and they were drinking beer. And I just happened to stop in and get some stuff off my desk and ask what they were talking about. And where where he was doing this he was talking about racing his camaro and um he said he did it in sturgis south dakota and gave me the phone numbers to to take care of that and he said of course you could bring your street bike so i figured it out how to make that all work and in the winter um the long winter in wyoming we had about nine months to get things prepared and when it when it dried up and the snow cleared out i i headed to the drag strip in south dakota and um, just started on my street bike. Um, that was, that was a lot of fun to start, but you quickly realize, Oh, wow. Like I want to go faster. So you get a race bike and you, you just keep progressing one fast bike after another. And, um, some of my decisions, I actually bought a bike, um, that was slower, but it was able to, um, participate in the, the Harley drags during the motorcycle rally. Um, so I purchased that bike and slowed it down a little bit so we could have a little bit more fun and won my first national event. Um, my second year of racing, it, it took um, the first try. Uh, of course, you learn a lot. In the second year, you're like, oh, let's go do it for reals. And the, the butterflies wear off a little bit. You can focus a little so. Um, then, you know, we raced from Florida and, you know, committed to a faster bike and committed to having some professional help and, you know, the year round process, not, not taking nine months off and starting all over. That was a big thing for us when we went pro stock motorcycle and, um, you know, we put a whole season in our off season from January to March last year. So that's a, that's a big deal. I realized that. You know, there's racers that are out there for a long time and know a lot of tricks and they have a lot of experience and you know it's it's a lot of hard work to keep up with them but we're willing to do what it takes and florida was our answer so we could do it all the time other than the summer which really is too hot and rainy and that's when we travel the most so it all works out so that's where we're at right now you know going from the sport on a street bike and progressing up to the top of the top with any world champions on jail Sampay and um you know you, there's lots of champions matt smith and um we're excited to be able to compete with them and and get out there and do our best every time and always improve yeah that's that's you know i i can't even imagine now my husband and i ride motorcycles i got my motorcycle license at the age of 50 believe it or not and uh, yeah and i had a honda vtx 1300 r it was a beautiful bike unfortunately i've had a lot of back issues so i i don't get to ride as much as i used to and i sold my bike because it was sitting in the garage and somebody needed to be riding it it was too nice of a bike to sit in the garage but um if you haven't ever ridden a bike, even just for pleasure, like we do, it's, it's so like freeing. And like when you ride down the road, you see things that you don't see when you're in the car. And then I can see how, you know, you're out on the bike as a young girl and all of a sudden it's like, 
okay, I can go fast. I want to do this. That's pretty exciting. Yeah. Yes, so I, I commend you for getting your license at 50. I hear that a lot. Um, and I think that's exciting that no matter what the age was or whatever, you, you took the time to do it. Cause it is, it is, it's so freeing. Like there's no cell phones, there's no kids, there's no emails, there's no phone calls. Um, it's, it's amazing. And people don't realize how stuck we are in life and to take that time to get away and you're mm -hmm. not even on a sure on the back is fun. And I do that quite a bit, but there's nothing like owning it, owning that, right. that power of that, whatever it is, whether you're on a little Honda 500 or I know there's, um, two fifties, I think even are out on the streets. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how fast or big or slow. It doesn't matter at all. We all no. come together and enjoy the love, the love that we get from being peaceful for a change. I think. Exactly. And I, you know, I live in Kalamazoo, Michigan, so there's a lot of back roads and really pretty riding here. And so it just made a lot of sense, even though, yeah, you park your bike quite a few months in the winter, but as soon as that weather breaks, all the bikers are out. It could be, you know, they're dressing their leathers and their heated seats and whatever. But as soon, <laughs> as soon as the spring even gives us a little hint that it's, coming, <laughs> yeah, the bikers are all out. Yeah. So, um, do you have marketing partners that work with you, Andy, that you'd like to talk about? Um, right now, our biggest supporter um, and you know that's a big part of your program and a, a bit also and helmets that he was a lifesaver last year. He mentioned um, a helmet for me and you get used to your stuff. Just like it's easy to go buy one certain bike or, or a set of gloves because somebody told you and you stick with it because it worked for them and you think it's working for you and, and you stick with stuff. And um, the helmet was huge. I'm five foot hundred pounds and Helmets are a big deal, and I know it's a big deal for everybody, whether you're on the road or racing, it doesn't matter, they protect your life. And this one is so perfect. So I'm I'm very grateful that George Babor has, you know, thought outside the box and has helped me with things other than um, just the engine program, because of course you're out there competing with um, programs that exist. I'm so, so everything with we we love it. Um, sometimes we for him, Otter Steen is his crew chief and seeing people to work with, and it does. Are you 
back? I'm back. <laughs> You're back. <laughs> so how much did you catch of that? Why don't you, let's start back with um, about the helmet. The He helped you find the perfect helmet. And, and so let's talk a little bit more about him and, and those kind of things. Why those are so important, those kinds of things that you're comfortable with when you're racing. It's just not about the bike. Oh, of course. We found that out um, the, the easy and hard way, to, so to speak. But um, so little things like for me, the helmet, the shell that I was using for years was really big. So on the motorcycles, we have to be able to move our shoulders. We have to grab a throttle. We have to be able to manhandle, um, you know, a big machine. And um, I did that. And I found that when I tucked in and got real nice, that I was half blind. The, the, the helmet would squeeze up and it would actually... Yeah. window. I have a helmet. You know, it, it made a big difference. I can, I can reach up and I can have my throttle and I can move on the, the bike and I can see more. And I'm not, um, I'm not worried about anything because you don't even notice it. Um, another huge thing that we talked about that George helped me set up would be um, just my grips and the size of the grips and how that comes into play on how you, um, twist the throttle and you know just sizing and being small and right you know so that that was huge george played a big part in that i also have a a fabricator here locally that has helped us um justin collier so if anybody's looking for fabricators i, I recommend him by all means get in touch and i'll help you out um he he built me fake brackets um to be able to move my pegs around to see where i like them so I wasn't having them in one place all the time. So Justin helped me build that and he nailed it the first time. And boy, it's changed our program from, or being a part of the bike. I mean, that's, that's huge. Um, obviously the smallest rider in the, the class right now, um, I have the biggest job because I have the heaviest motorcycle. So, you know, making it, fit me and feel right was, was a really big part of our um, success this year, going from last year, figuring things out from, from everything being new, every track being new, every process we went through was new to this year, being able to actually tap in that and improve and, um, you know, make it easier for me and make it easier for the guys. Cause if I do my job, right you know, everybody can do their job even better. It makes it easier on the kids that service my clutch. Um, my kids love it when, <laughs> when I help them out a little bit and don't destroy things. And, you know, my husband can put a good tune under me because he knows, you know, that it's happening the right way. And um, the engine builder, of course, to be able to back it up and know, you know, what we, or the track can do all that stuff comes into play or if we have a flaw in our engine and we need it. so um 
getting the body fit me was was really huge. That was way huge. Yeah, I can see, you know, especially you have to be as comfortable as possible on that bike because you're going very fast. And I can I can see where all those things, you know, are part of the the whole package to make you the best racer that you can be. But it's a lot of things that people don't think about. They think it's just the bike that is everything. And it's really not. It's it's the helmet that fits. It's the grips that fit. It's where the pegs are. It's how comfortable you are. And the more comfortable you are, the more comfortable you are going fast. Exactly. So, of course. Yeah. So what do your friends think about you racing? Um, <laughs> well, of course, it's new. It's interesting. It's something that they don't do. I have a lot of women in my circle who um, keep in contact and love that I've, you know, taken those sacrifices and those chances and the courage to to follow through and jump both feet in and do it. Um, you know, a lot of my, my friends are older and they and need to follow through with. So it inspires me to realize that, you know, it was, I'm fortunate, first of all, to figure out that I love something. Mm -hmm. um, that's, you know, something that a lot of people don't take time to do. You get started in a family and a job and you, you just, you get lost. And later in life, you're like, what did I do all this time? So I'm, I'm grateful that my circle has pointed that out. So it makes me realize how lucky we are. And when we're having a bad day at the track, um, like I, I blew up my motor at Indy and it didn't even phase me that we blew up and we were out because we were there. We're doing what we set out to do. And, you know, I take advantage of the other opportunities. So we had time on our hands and I polished up the bike and we took pictures with kids all day and let them get to enjoy a piece of it. It's, you know, a big deal for the kids to be out there with their grandparents and parents. And, you know, they're bored to some extent. They're not as excited as mom and dad. And um, so to be able to, provide that for them and put a smile on their face. Um, that's a big deal. So if nothing else, I'm glad that my circle reminds me to, you know, don't, don't let those things bum you out. Be excited that you're, you're doing it and that we can provide that for ourselves. And, um, you know, even though we don't have a lot of marketing partners right now, we, we do still get to participate and we're very grateful for that. Yeah, that's a really good point that I really hadn't thought of um, until you just brought that up. You know, everybody has that little goal or that little passion that's maybe sometimes buried because they think they're too old, they're too young, they don't have the money, they don't have the time, all these excuses why they're not doing what maybe is really their dream to do, where you've you've made it work, you found a way to do it, and it's, it gives you life, I don't know, it gives you some extra joy and, and things in your life when that happens. When I, when I got the idea to found the International Women's Motorsports Association, I was like, okay, I've had back surgery. I don't feel good most days. There's a lot of things I can't do. I was giving myself all these excuses why I couldn't do this. And then my husband just said, no, you should do this. You need something to give you purpose. Um, you know, after you work a job for years and years, um, 
and then you find something that really brings you joy, which I know the, the racing brings you joy. It makes a huge difference in your life. So I'm, I'm going to remember that. I'm lucky that I have the opportunity to do what I'm doing just like you do with your racing. Yeah. So where do you typically race? Are you, do you race in a series that travels or do you have a track that you normally go to? So tell us a little bit about that. So right now we're competing with the NHRA Pro Stock Motorcycle Series. So we have the Mellow Yellow Series. So we have 16 races that go from, you know, California to Florida to Denver, Minnesota. We do travel all over. Um, at home, we go to Orlando Speed World and Bradenton and Gosh, we do try to get up to Gainesville every once in a while. I figure since it's my home track, so to speak, and I'm the only, I'm not actually the only professional anymore. There's one more down here, but I figure I might as well get used to it. Everybody else has theirs that they've used for years. And um, so we do go to Gainesville quite a bit um, in the off season. Um, our season runs from the middle of March and it starts here in Florida. And we go to the second week of November and it ends in California. Mm. that's a very long race season it so, is and it's all over the place too so do you ever come to martin michigan have you heard of um us 131 motorsports park um a bunch of motorcycle professional motorcycles were up there um, testing not very long ago Indy um, Pennsylvania but we don't actually go to Michigan okay we have a really nice uh, track here not very far from me and I know that there's a lot of the professional series that come there so if you ever come up to Michigan or you get close you have to let me know I like to go watch my ladies race I so when you're at the starting line what are you thinking? What's going through your head? Okay, so that's what I figured out is what I love the most. Um, just like when you're riding your motorcycle, you clear everything out, but you're still thinking, right? You're still looking at traffic. You're mm -hmm. still wondering, you know, if animals are going to come out and, right. and do all that extra stuff that you got to pay attention to. Um, for me, why do I keep doing this? And why do I keep trying to improve, to make this all better. Um, obviously I've had some big struggles being so little and when I put that helmet on, it gets so quiet. Like nobody is around me. Nobody exists. It doesn't matter if my kids are hungry or not hungry. Those sure it takes about, um, it takes about a minute from our fire up to the start line. And then of course, you know, you get probably six second pass, seven second pass, and then a couple to shut down. So I get two minutes uh, to myself when I go up there. So there's nothing going on. Mm -hmm. We do it so much that it becomes automatic and we're not thinking about where our hands are, where our feet are. Um, so really it's just me and the lights. It doesn't matter who's next to you. It doesn't matter if the stands are full or if they're empty. Um, you don't, you can't let any of that even be in your mind. You just make one pass every time and 
you just make it yours. So absolutely nothing is going on in my brain. So that's refreshing, isn't it? That you can just kind of chill and you wouldn't think about that you're chilling at the starting line, but that's, that's awesome. I love hearing that. That's very cool. So um, what do you look forward to the most on race day? Do you have like a race day routine? Do you eat the certain same things? What's your race day routine like? Um, so I don't have any crazy quirks yet um, that have solidified race day or even qualifying day. Um, but I do try to spend a little time with myself every morning because I know that once I step out of the trailer and we're in the pits that you're, you're tapped and tuned in turn on to your fans, to everything that's going on for the whole day. And it's not going to stop until the lights are off and everything's put away and, and that's why I said earlier, it takes a team, you know, cause I'm not going to be cooking all day and I'm not going to be in the kitchen mm -hmm. and doing all those other things that, um, you know, that moms might do or wives or anybody. So really for me, I know that when I wake up, I have to set my day right. I have to get into that mental state where I've already had my time. And then I look forward to that time where I put that helmet on and it becomes my time again for that two minutes. Mm -hmm. And I use everything in between to get ready for it. So, um, you know, sometimes I'll do yoga on the road or I'll work out or go for a jog. Um, the physical activity, of course, works everything through it, whether you're having a good day, bad day, a stressful day, any of it, you can kind of shake it all out. Um, but I will be honest, once we get traveling a lot, it gets harder and harder to keep up with those kinds of routines. So if nothing else, if I have 10 minutes of quiet time, where I just put in my earbuds and listen to, you know, some people I follow on YouTube or um, those kinds of things, just to, just to quiet it all down and relax. And, and um, I mean, it's easy to get worked up. People ask if you get nervous when you go and sometimes you do. Sometimes you get those butterflies as you're pulling the rig into the pits or maybe you're getting off the interstate and you're an hour away still and those butterflies hit like it's real, it's happening. Um, so you know, in the morning, just to take those few minutes and reset is pretty much my biggest part of my day. You know, I think that's a good thing for women in general to find that time for themselves. You know, we always hear that, you know, women do for others and don't do for themselves. And so that's why we get sick or we get stressed or all those things. But if you take a little bit of time, sometime during the day, preferably the morning, to get your day started right. I think that's good advice for all women, not just racers. That, that's so true. So if you had um, a mom, and maybe this has happened, you have a, a mom and a little girl or someone come up to you and say, my little girl, all she talks about is racing motorcycles. What would you tell them? Would you encourage them? What would you say to those, the mom and the daughter? Well, of course I would encourage them. Um, the biggest thing is for me, um, being able to have the opportunity, say they're in my pits and we're talking about it. Um, you know, I ask them questions and what, what they like. And if, if they actually want to drag race their motorcycle, I have them sit on the bike and ask questions and talk about it and see what they're intrigued about or what they're scared about. Um, see what they're thinking, see what I can do to help them. If they're racing a different platform, you know, I, I always love to hear their story. I love to hear what they're thinking about it. Even if they can't race yet, 
um, you know, what's making them tick and what's making them keep that dream alive, even if they can't do it today. And um, so I always, you know, if nothing else, I ask questions and get them even more excited about it. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Because really, you are a role model for young women. I mean, in those stands, there's lots of little girls probably um, that are watching you go down the track. So are there a lot of other women that you race against or, or are you the minority? Um, we're, we're still the minority in our class, but our class probably has the most women professionals out there. You know, with Danica retiring, it opens up the door and you see some women getting ready to come up, but still she was totally the minority. Um, in NHRA drag racing, we have women in every single class. Um, some of them only have one or maybe two, but for us, we have grown to where we have at least, um, I'm going to say there's at least four of us at every single race. And sometimes there's even up to like eight. Like if all of us women that are licensed and would compete at the exact same race at the same time, we'd we'd be a pretty good chunk of it. We might not still be half and half, but we're getting close. Yeah, that's exciting to see because I, I've uh, started, you know, when I started this association, I, I go to, to asphalt short tracks. That's what I have where I live, uh, except for Martin. And so I've been following now dirt track and I've been to some dirt races. And it, it's surprising to me that in the sprint car world, there's no women in the top classes. Um, so I, I was surprised about that because really in drag racing, there's a lot of women and a lot of little girls like in junior dragsters. Yep. Probably, if, at least what I've encountered, more women in drag racing than probably any other kind compared to the total numbers. But the sprint cars, not so much. And I, I'm not sure why that is, but... It's, uh, it's really been eye-opening to me. I've been a race fan for a long time. And when I started this group, I knew there were a lot of women that were in racing, but I had no idea the number of women in racing. You know, I thought I kind of had an idea, but I really didn't. There's so many more women, not just driving, but I'm just meeting some amazing women that are pit crew for NASCAR, tire changers, you know, the head of competition at Hendrick Motorsports, all kinds of women in amazing positions, not just driving. And that's one of the things that I, I like being able to share with our listeners is that you don't have to be the driver. It's great if you can be, but there's so many opportunities in racing now that you could you could do just about anything. Um, that's pretty cool. I think so. I think women um, don't want to be mechanics as much as, as the boys, but what they miss out on is that we're, we're pretty dang good at it. And we're detail-oriented, and we can follow through with the meticulous, boring, monotonous pieces of building stuff that it takes. And I think they don't realize that it's just a matter of, you know, figuring out and following it through. 
and that they'd be really good at it. And even if, um, of course, some of the stuff is harder and we don't have man muscles to do it, but there's equipment out there to help us. Mm-hmm. So I think they miss out on that opportunity because they might talk themselves into being, you know, not strong enough. Yeah. They'll, they find excuses when really, if they would just give it a try, jump in with both feet, they'll find out that there's a lot more they're able to do than they think. So I'm going to ask you your proudest or most memorable moment. What would that be? Uh, in the racing world, um, probably pretty recent. We went to Virginia and we know our power plant is a little bit smaller than everybody else. And I told them, well, as a team, but I agreed with everybody that our, our gig on fall track and it's a big deal um, in drag racing. Um, so we, that was our goal and we stuck with it. And we were number one 60 foot out of 22 professional racers in Virginia. We had a 1049, which was our personal best. And I, I think that was our proudest moment so far. Like that's, that's exciting as a team and being the smallest driver to pull it off. You know, they always tell you, you know, you're not, you're too little to go that fast. And even professionals that we work with are like, well, it takes a lot to do what we do. And then when you go in out 60 foot, then they, they start respecting you. Of course, it's a battle to, a process to get down that respect line with the people that have been doing it for 41 years. But, um, you know, that was a proud moment for us to realize, you know, we, we have what it takes. It's just taking a little bit to come together. Yeah, that's pretty exciting for sure. So uh, let's talk about social media just for a minute. It's such a big controversy in some ways about the negativity and how it's hurting our sport. And yet, there's so many good stories as well on social media. So how do you use social media for your race team um, to like maybe brand yourself, um, get your name out there? How do you incorporate social media into your team? So I use it to keep everybody in and I don't do it probably as but um definitely keep it you know involved and you know the fans and posted that or trophy so to speak that's the win and um so I I know I could improve a little bit because I am a little bit on the offside of you know I don't I don't want to indulge in it to the point where you know, I, I don't tell everybody everything for sure. Um, it, it that's is a good, that's a good thing, you know. Which is too much. And <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. I I think there's a place. There's obviously a place for it. I think. I mean, I wouldn't have met you. I, there's so many things that wouldn't have happened if I didn't have social media. That's my that's my platform to find amazing women in racing. And, and so I try to stay on the positive side and I try to keep 
my page and everything on the positive side. There's times that you have to not bite your tongue, but clench your fist so you don't type something that you shouldn't. But, um, yeah, I yeah, but I do think it's, it's really important that it's used and used correctly. And if, if more people would do that, we would be in much better shape all around for sure. But is there, um, where would people find you? Like if they wanted to follow you and follow your career, how could they, how could they do that? Am I frozen? <laughs> um, so Fast Andy Reese, yeah, a little bit. Um, so we have um, our Fast Andy Racing platform um, that kind of shows the overview of, of the team and, and all the workings. And then I also have my personal Andy Rawlings page that, um, you know, identifies me as the racer. Um, I anticipate having a teammate eventually, so I feel like, um, I want to give them space to be their own individual and a part of the team. I think that was something that um, that I recognized watching other teams. And I think that's the camaraderie is super cool. And also being the individual that brings something to the table is really cool too. So that's how I I look at our social media. So um, so I like the, you know, we sometimes we cover little quirky stories about crew members on our Fast Any Racing page and and their individual accomplishments. And then we focus on the Andy Rawlings side so you can kind of see, you know, what we're doing and building and I'm focusing on. So lots of places to find me. And okay. I, I agree I agree with you about the connections. Um, I think social media, the biggest thing is to be able to keep in touch um, with others and to be able to, you know, reach our fans when not all the fans can go to the races, but yet they can check in and say, gosh, I'm busy and I missed the race, but what are you doing? Where are you sitting? What are you, what are you up to? Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's probably the most important thing about social media is, is connections are, are, are a big deal. Yeah, they are. They are a big deal. And I, one of the things I really enjoy the most is, being able to connect women who otherwise would have never met each other. So yesterday I recorded an interview with a young gal and she, she's young. She's I think 16 and her goal is to race a sprint car. And so I connected her to another gal in Iowa who is a successful sprint car driver at the more local level. But I think she'll probably be one of the first women you know, that you'll see at Eldora or somewhere cool like that. And at that, for me, connecting women with each other who can encourage each other is really, it's a blessing to me. I can just, that's all it is. I just love doing that. It's so fun. So why don't you tell me, um, what are your goals for your, your career in racing? And do you have a bucket list and what's on it? Um, well, of course, there's a bucket list. It's always to improve, um, always to, you know, get to that winner's circle and become one of the few they get to claim as themselves as a champion. Um, I think the Mellow Yellow Drag Racing Championship is a, is a big feat, and I'm excited to, you know, 
way out. That's what it is one pass at a time. And um, the hurdles, some of them I don't feel were necessary. And some of them, um, you know, they hadn't, other racers have in their mind justified, you know, why, why we have these hurdles. Um, so I want to help develop drivers and make sure our sport stays alive and healthy. Um, we are working with um, a couple young drivers that want to be around it. So we let them come and, um, you know, learn the, the backside, the behind the scenes stuff to see what we're doing, to see what it's taking. And, um, you know, when they're ready, we're excited to help them be supportive in any way we can. And I think that, um, I think that's important, especially as a mom and the role model that you put yourself into that position. Um, that's a, a big piece of our goals is to make sure that the sport stays alive. Yeah, that's, that is important. And I, I love hearing that. I, I did an interview with Elaine Larson, who runs a, a, you know who she is, I'm sure. She's in Florida as well. And they have a great program where they bring young people in through the, I think it's the Florida Institute of, I'm, I'm not sure. But anyway, yeah. And, and so, you know, the sport's not going to keep on if we don't bring those young drivers up and teach them the right things to do, the right way to present themselves, not just on the track, but off the track. It's the whole package. And that, that's a big deal. So I love hearing that you're helping other young ones. So um, I, I don't have a whole lot more questions. Andy, would you, do you have anything else that I haven't asked you about that you'd like to share with our listeners or people you want to thank, anything at all? So going back to your story of, of writing and having to hang it up for a couple of months, um, First of all, if you if you are riding on the street and and enjoying life, I, I commend you because that is a big deal. Um, recently, we just sold our street bikes because we um, <laughs> my street bike personally, my street bike was in the living room for a year because um, <laughs> we needed the garage space to work on the race bike. So we were finally like, ah, let's sell them because uh, they're not getting used. So um, you know, share it. Let somebody else enjoy that that piece of life. Um, so whether you're racing or riding, I, I hope everybody that is thinking about it and they're on the fence and maybe they're not in our circle yet. Um, I hope the message reaches them somehow, some way to, to do it, to find that time for yourself because it's, it's worth it. It's worth every single second of it. Absolutely. Because, uh, I, I'm 62 years old and as I can, I can attest time goes too fast. I have 12 grandchildren. I want to spend time with them. I do as much as I can with the limitations that I have with my back, but I don't want to ever be regretful. That's one of my hashtags is no regrets because people put it off. I'll do that tomorrow. I'll do that when, if, if I have the money, when I'm older, all those things. And then the day comes and it's, it's here and you've missed out on way too many things. So hashtag no regrets. You can, you can use that one if you want to, folks, because um, don't ever have any regrets in life. Do it. If you have a dream, go for it. So besides my dad always saying um, not to use the word can't, he'd always get mad at me and my sister if we use that word. Um, 
but his biggest excuse in life was always, we'll see. We'll see about that. Maybe we can do that later. And he died when I was um, 19 years old. He was 44. Wow. And we'll see never happened. So I found in my life, it is easy to get busy and it is easy to say, oh, maybe later, maybe later. If, if you're not going to do it, I just look at my kids and say, no, I'd rather just be honest with them and say, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Or, you know, cause you're right. No regrets. You can't leave that mystery on the table. So, um, so yeah, you're right. Get out there and live. Life is short. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Andy, I have really enjoyed talking to you today so much. I'm glad that we got connected by someone else on Facebook, and that's how it goes, isn't it? So uh, I, I appreciate that connection, and I, I've really enjoyed talking with you today. I know the women and the men are going to get a lot out of what you've had to share with us today. Um, I'll be watching and following you on your, your path of your racing. I want you to always feel free to post your results, pictures, good, bad, whatever, to our, our International Women's Motorsports Association Facebook page. I love to do that, and uh, as I follow you, I may share your pictures if you don't. So um, try to keep everybody involved. And again, thank you so much for being on the podcast with me today. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me and a big shout out. Thank you to my family for supporting me and making this um, possible for all of us to, to share together. So yeah, I encourage you to, to um, do the same if you, if you have other racers or little, little ladies that need some help. Um, I'm always here. So I, I'm grateful for this connection. So thank you. Thank you for this time. All right. You're welcome. Well, um, that was uh, Andy Rawlings. She lives in Florida. We'll put some things up on our Facebook page, a couple of pictures and things about her so you can start to follow her career. Um, she drives a very fast motorcycle, and so I'm a little envious. I went to Mid-Ohio one year. Uh, well, we went 10 years in a row to watch the Superbike races. That was one of the most favorite things that my husband and I did every summer. And one year, they... I got the idea that I was going to pay the hundred dollars and get on the back um, of the guy and they take you around the track and they go down the back stretch at like 180. And I was like, Oh yeah, I, I just want to do that so bad. And my husband's like, go do it. So I started to walk over to where, you know, you go to pay and do all of that. And it started to rain and I never got to do it. And that's one of my biggest regrets is that really I never got to do that. I just thought that would have been so fun to do. And my husband, you know, I wasn't scared. I mean, but anyway, I know it would have been great. And so I'll hang on to that thought. But um, yeah, just get out there, ladies. Find your passion. Don't make excuses. Have no regrets. And do what it is that brings you joy. So on that note, I think I'll say goodbye. Thank you again, Andy. I'll stay in touch. And it was so good to have you on the show today. Thank you so much.